Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Well, amen. Amen. If you've got a copy of God's Word, we are going to look a little bit in John's Gospel today. And I want to remind you that we're in a series that we're calling The Life of a Jesus Follower. And as you think about this life of a Jesus Follower, one of the things that we've been sort of reminding ourselves every week as we look at this topic is that the life of a Jesus follower is all about relationships. And we've been talking about relationships. And today, uh, we're going to specify and talk specifically about this relationship that we have with the Father. If we look at the life of Jesus, you boil his whole life down through the Gospels, you'll find that he had three different relationships that were important. He had that relationship with the Father, He had that relationship with his disciples, and then he had a relationship with the world. And so we've been looking at these different types of relationships and thinking about them each week, reminding you about those three, because for too long, too many Christians live their lives not in relationship, but in performance. That is, talking about what is a Christian, what does a follower of Jesus look like? But then we begin to have, you know, you don't do this, you don't do that, you do this, you do that. And Henry Blackaby said this, listen to what he says. He said, we are so actively oriented that we assume we are saved for a task to perform rather than a relationship to enjoy. Listen to how Jesus said it in Matthew 11. He said these words, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Does that describe your Christian journey? You know, for a lot of folks, that really doesn't, right? A lot of folks, because, you know, we're living our lives too crunched by the performance. We're, we're living our lives by this statement. I will do better. Have you ever said that as a Christian? Have you ever said when you failed, I'm going to do better? You know, I'm just going to pick myself up by my bootstraps and I'm just going to do really good. That's what we, we think, right? But the question I want to ask you is, how's that working out for you? Because what happens is we do well for a little period of time. We do well for a, a while and a season and then what? We find we fail again, don't we? Why? Because we're not living in relationship. We're, we're living in this performance, If I just do, 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 and don't do, don't do, don't do, then I'm a Jesus follower. And when we base it on that, the minute we are not doing, or the minute we do the things we say we shouldn't do, we feel that sense of failure. We feel that sense of being a loser, you know, and we fall into this cycle of depression and backslidden state, and that's not God's design. God didn't save you for performance. He saved you for relationship. And out of that relationship, remember we've been reminding ourselves, out of that relationship flows my life lived for Christ. But the relationship's essential. The relationship's the priority, right? That's what we talked about. The relationship's the priority. And really today what we're going to talk about is the relationship really is 
not just priority, it's foundational, right? Everything else that we have, everything that we do, our sin that comes is, is connected to whether we're in relationship with God or not. And so we want to talk about that today, you know, spending time with God. Why do we want to spend time with God? That's sort of the big question. Well, you remember last week we ended the sermon with two goals. What are the two goals of the life of a Jesus follower? The overall goal, right, is for us to know God. That's the overall goal. I want to know God. And as a Jesus follower, I can do that. Why? By virtue of the sacrifice of his son on the cross of Calvary, who paid my sin debt, brought me out of bondage, and reconciled me unto God. I didn't do that. He did that. Amen? And so by his virtue, I can know God. But listen, you can only know God through relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no other way. No other way. We cannot be apologetic about that. We cannot waver on that because Jesus is the only way, period, to have a relationship with God. But not only is there an overall goal, but there is this daily goal. You know, daily in my life, what is my goal as a life of a Jesus follower? It should be to spend time with God. Now, don't hear that in the sense of going back to a performance because that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, do you spend time with God? Because if you spend time with God in relationship with God, then your life will outflow that. Your life will demonstrate that. Your life will, will, will I think the best way I could say it that, that, that makes sense to me is it will ooze out Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And I know that doesn't really make a lot of theological sense. It sounds weird. But I like what... Clyde Cranford said, listen to what he says. The primary call on my life is not to do something for Jesus. The primary call on my life is to be with him. Think about that. Because we get it so backwards, don't we? I'm going to go and do great things for God. Well, until you spend time with God, you're not going to be able to do great things. Every person in the Bible that God used in a mighty way had time with him. Every man or woman that God used in history had time that they spent with God. And it was out of that relationship, it was out of that time that they spent with the Father that God used them in some tremendous and mighty ways. And we'll see the difference as we go through today. So as we think about this one question, why is spending time with God so important? I want to answer that by asking you three questions now, please don't answer these out loud, okay? I don't want to embarrass myself, and I don't want to embarrass you because that's not the point today. But I don't want to uh, hear any audible cries out, okay? So don't answer these out loud because they're very personal. So number one is this. Does a Christian want to sin? Does a Christian want to sin? That is, does a follower of Jesus want to sin. You know, there could be an argument that could be said, you know what? Well, of course we, we do at times want to sin because we find that we sin, <laughs> right? I mean, do you, do you ever find in your life that you have sin? Do you, have, do you ever sin? I mean, I mean, are, are, have you reached that place of perfection where you don't sin? Uh, if so, can I get your autograph after church? Because I've not met anybody yet who's reached perfection. 
I've not seen anybody who could say that they no longer sin. You know, so does a Christian want to sin? You know, our immediate response would say, well, of course, you know, I, I, I do because I find myself sinning. So, you know, when temptation comes, you know, if I didn't want to sin and dabble in it, it really wouldn't be much of a temptation, would it? You know, it's like when I go into the refrigerator last night, <clears throat> I'm on a keto diet. My son-in-law bought this big giant cinnamon roll. And I'm like, hey, whose cinnamon roll is this in the refrigerator? <laughs> you know, and he's like, oh, it's mine. You know, and I'm like, hmm, I'd like to have that cinnamon roll. But he wouldn't give it to me. You know, do what? <laughs> so, here. What sin can I tell on you now? So, uh, you know. But here's the reality. When you think about, when you think about the answer to that question, and we desire sometimes, we desire sometimes to sin, and we give in to the temptation, and we sin. But let me ask you a question to help clarify the answer to that question. Does a Christian want to sin? Let me, let me just clarify by asking you this, this question. When you sin, when you give in to a temptation and you give in to a sin, how do you feel about that? Don't answer out loud. Just think about that. Process it in your mind for a minute. How do you feel about it? When you give in to a temptation and you sin, how do you feel about that? Maybe you feel a little bit like Paul. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 7. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual... But I am carnal, that is fleshly, sold under sin, he says. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But I hate that I do. Can you relate to that? When I sin, when I get in the flesh and sin and give in to sin, I feel like Paul. I got a little bit of a hatred for that sin. I got a hatred because I'm like, you know, Mike, here we are, sinning. Why is that? Why do we feel it? Because the flesh wants to sin, amen? I mean, just like I wanted that cinnamon roll last night. Listen, let me tell you something. The flesh wants to sin. I'm going to tell you, that's, that's our desire is to sin. We, we want to hold on to the things of this world and, and, and live in the system of this world and enjoy the things of this world. I'm not talking about cinnamon rolls. It's using that as a joke. But, but I'm talking about the sins that are offered to us in this world. But the reality is that because Jesus Christ has transformed us, because we have been transformed by the quickening of the Holy Spirit of God, and he is living inside of us, we as believers do not really want to sin because we've been transformed. We've been set free. We've been delivered from that. And so when we do sin, that's why we feel the remorse. Because we know that Jesus has changed us on the inside. And now our wonder is that I really in my life as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, I want to please God. Amen. And because I know that sin is displeasing, I know that I'm not liking my sin too much. And you ever notice, by the way, when, when you sin, do you, you know, when you give in to sin, you know, the truth of the matter is you really don't enjoy it. 
You know, it may be for a season, but there's really no joy out of it. You know, or, you know, we never gain any true satisfaction from our sin. I mean, wouldn't you say that's the truth? I think there is the truth in that. You know, when we look at it as believers in Jesus Christ, yeah, you know, that cinnamon roll would have been great to eat last night. But when I got on the scale this morning, I'd have hated myself. You know, I'd have been like, there was really no satisfaction in that, you know, and that's, you know, how I got to look at food, by the way, in order to be on a diet, you know, is, you know, yeah, you can eat everything you want to eat, but the reality is you, you know, you either stay fat or you're going to lose weight. It depends on what you're going to put in your mouth. And so, you know, with a Christian, you know, when I look at sin in my life and I look at some of the stupid things that I've allowed myself to do and to fall into sins of my life, and I don't like the fact that that's happened, I realize, you know, I gave in to something that never really was satisfaction for me. I never found any true joy and hope and lasting peace in it. I found just the opposite. I found that I didn't please God and that displeased me. Amen. Can you relate to that this morning? Can, can you say, yeah, I've been there? Listen, Here's the reality. I still sin even though I don't want to displease God and I want to please the Father because, listen, I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. And daily when we spend time with God, here's what's happening. God is working on that. Amen. When I spend time with God in my Bible study, it's not so I check off a block and say, hey, I read my devotion today. Hallelujah. He loves me. No, I spend time with God because I, as I get to know God, as I spend time with God, I begin to see his heart and he begins to transform my heart. And listen, doesn't mean I'm ever going to reach a perfection, but listen, every day he's sanctifying me. Every day he's making me more like Jesus. Why? Because that's his predestined plan when he saved me. When he called me to be his kid, he said, I'm going to make Mike look like Jesus more and more and more and more and more as time goes on. It's a daily work that he's doing. Remember in Philippians, Paul said, he who began a good work in you will what? He will perfect it. That is God is working on you to make you like his son. And he does that on a daily basis as you spend time with him. He is continuing to transform you. And even though you may at times slip and sin and you displease God, he's still working. He's still working. Why? Because I believe that God has placed in my heart and I believe he's placed in every believer's heart this desire to want to please him. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want to please God. I love him. And I want to please him. But it's not about my performance. It's about my relationship. It's about me spending time with him. So does a Christian really want to sin? I'd have to say no. A follower of Jesus really doesn't want to sin. They want to please God. Why? Because inside of us is the Holy Spirit who reminds us when we sin, doesn't it? That it doesn't please God. The second question I want to ask is this. And don't think the sermon is going to go this fast. We're going to slow down the third question. But the, the, the second question is this. Does a Christian, don't answer out loud, does a Christian have to sin? You know, can we get to a place where we don't have to sin? Listen to two verses of Scripture and then we'll sort of answer that question. Paul says in Romans 6, he said, knowing this, that our old man, <laughs> underline that in your Bible, was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he, listen, who has died has been freed from sin. First Corinthians ten thirteen, Paul says, 
There's no temptation that has overtaken you except such as common to men. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. <laughs> but with the temptation, notice this now, listen what he says. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to what? Bear it. Bear it. There's truth found here. Two truths I want to say. First of all is this. When we think about a Christian having to sin, the first verse says this. No, because God has dealt with our depraved nature. And he did that at the cross of Calvary. And we are free from sin. Amen? Think about that. We were born into depravity. Every single person in this room, you were born bent towards sin and wickedness. There's nothing you can do about it. We call it original sin. You probably heard it called that. Paul called it in Romans 6, the old man. When you and I were born, we were born as old men. Not literally, but we were born with this depravity. Like I said, this bent towards nothing but sinfulness and wickedness. We weren't looking for God. We weren't seeking after God. God had to come find us. And let me tell you what God did. God in his mercy, his grace, his love toward us, he sent his son at the right time into the world to die on a rugged cross. And he died on that cross bearing your sin and my sin. That is not just the bad that I've done. We've got to get away from just talking about my sin is the bad I've done. No, it was the nature that we had. That is that we were incapable of anything good. Why? Because we were sinful in our nature. And we sinned because of that nature. So he took that nature of our sin and he nailed it on him, in his own flesh on the cross of Calvary. And through the blood of Christ, he cleanses that. But listen, it was through the the sacrifice that Jesus would pay the penalty of our sin. Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So he would pay for our debt, literally for us, a debt we could not pay. He paid for us. And in his resurrection from the dead, he would reconcile us. That is that he would bring us and God together. Why? Because in our depravity, we're separated. The Bible said literally in our depravity, we are enemies of God. Everybody says in the world, well, they're all children of God. No, they're not. John says in John 1, 12, that when we believe, right, listen, it's when they believe that they become the children of God. And that belief is not by what you do, it's what he has done. Go back and read John 1, 12. And so when we think this morning about does a Christian have to sin? Listen, we don't have to, we do, but we don't have to give into it. Why? Because you notice what Paul said, right? You who died to sin, listen, you are free. You are not bound. It is not your slave anymore or your master anymore. You're not in shackles to sin. You have died. Amen. That sin nature is gone. It was killed at the cross with Jesus Christ. And we are free. So when sin comes and knocking on the door, you can say, Mm-mm, you're not my master anymore. I'm free. I'm free. You're saying, oh, but the temptation's tough. Hey, I know all about temptations. As you can tell, I can't get that cinnamon roll off my mind. I want to go eat that thing, Joey. I just want to eat it. You know what I'm saying? I just love, want, love cinnamon rolls. But listen, that's the second verse, isn't it? The second verse, that, that 1 Corinthians 10, right? There's temptation that's going to come into your life. It's going to come into my life. And he's, you know what he says? Don't act like your temptation is different than my temptation. Don't act like temptation has its categories of harder to, to the worst. You know what I'm saying? No, don't act like, you know, well, Mike, you just don't understand because he says no temptation, 
No temptation has overtaken you such as common to men. There are temptations that come in our life that are common. Amen? It's common to all men. Why is that? Because it's always going to center around our pride. It's always going to center around who we are, right? It's always going to center around in that flesh to get us to do something fleshly in sin. And so it's all centered around that. So whether it produces itself in overeating, overspending, sexual things, whatever it may be, it's going to come out, but it's going to be a common denominator when it comes to the temptation. And so he says that no temptation is overtaking you, which is common to men. But listen to what he says. But God is faithful that when you're going through it, that he won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can stand. How so? He provides the way of escape. That is, God will say, here's the door, go! You know, sometimes you just got to run. Amen? What did Joseph do? <laughs> Joseph, when Potiphar's wife snatched a hold of him, he said, I just got to get out of Dodge. And he ran. He left. He got out from the situation. Listen, sometimes when you're tempted to do something, the best thing for you to do is go outside. Amen? Go get in public. Get, 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 just run. Sometimes you just got to run. Amen? Get away from it. You know, best thing for me to do is not even open the refrigerator door today. Amen? Just stay away from it. And so he said, God provides the temptation. But I want you to see something in that verse that we're missing that I haven't really said. When I'm tempted, listen, when I am tempted, God will provide a way of escape. Why so? Because it's not about my faithfulness to God. It's about his faithfulness to me. You see that? Listen to what he says. No temptation has overtaken you except is common to men, but God is faithful. Why is he faithful? Because he loves you. He died for you. You're his kid. And in this relationship, this transformation that has taken place in our life, God is faithful to provide, he says, a way of escape. And he's faithful not to allow you to get tempted to the place that you can't bear under it. Bear under it means to be able to handle the weight of it coming down on top of you. See, we, we use that verse so out of context. We think that verse is about going through the adversities of life. Let me tell you something. You're going to go through some adversities of life, and that's life. People are going to die. People are going to get sick. Your car's going to break down. Things are going to, your kids are going to do some stupid things because when they become teenagers, they just do some crazy, weird-out things. You know, it's like, what has happened to their minds? You know, it's like they get brainwashed or something, you know? And so, you know, life is life. But that verse is dealing with temptation. When you are tempted, God is faithful to you. That he won't allow that burden to be what you can't handle because he will provide a way of escape. He'll open a door of escape. Why? Because it's him who's faithful. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? I'm thankful God is faithful to me. I'm thankful that even when temptation comes, if I look to him and trust in his faithfulness, he can open the door. So does a Christian have to sin? Absolutely not. We're not slaves to sin anymore. And God in his faithfulness has provided a way out of temptation. I don't have to give in. Unfortunately, I don't rest in his faithfulness. What I do is I can do it. I can, I can, do, I can beat this thing. I know I can beat this thing. And you know what I can't? I can't beat that thing. I can't. Amen. You know, I'll be honest with you, you know, I know I joke about myself on dieting and stuff, but the only reason why I've lost so much weight is all honesty is because I pray about it and I give it to the Lord because I'm just going to tell you, I only, I only started losing weight again because the first time I did it because I just thought, well, I need to lose weight. This time I did it because I said, you know what? That's an area in my life that the devil has and I, I'm getting out of this. 
You know, this is an area of my life that, you know, it's not that I just want to be thin, because I was already good looking as a fat guy. <laughs> I told you that last week, so I remind you. You know, it's not that. I just realized that was an area of my life of gluttony, and I want to lay that down. Amen? I'm here to tell you, I'm not totally there yet. Like Maria told me the other day. So when you fall off the wagon, you really fall off the wagon. Amen, I do. I have a good time when I do it. But let me tell you, with the strength and the power of God, I won't be able to do it because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, wait a minute. I'm using that out of context too. I don't want to do that. Because he's talking about walking with him. Amen? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He can help me live the godly life. He can help me and empower me to be a follower of Jesus in relationship with him. And out of that relationship, well, that leads us to the third point. So if a Christian doesn't want to sin and a Christian doesn't have to sin, then why do we sin? You ever think about that? Why do we sin? I'm going to tell you what Jesus said in John 14, 15. Jesus said this, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commands. Yep, I can hear the sighing. I hear what you're saying. I know what your mind is thinking. For so long, we read these verses and we said, we said we translate, here's how we translate them. If you love me, you better. You better obey me. If you love me, then do all this performance-based work and show me, prove it to me. You know why we fall into that category? Because we're human and too many times, Rather than unconditionally loving people, we, we put parameters, don't we? But that's not what he's saying here. Jesus is not saying that. You know, that, that, that verse in the Greek language is written in a third-class conditional sentence. You're saying, I don't really care. Well, let me tell you why you ought to care. Because what he is talking about is, if you love me, out of that love relationship, out of that intimacy that we enjoy, will come obedience. See, a third-class conditional sentence, they are numerous in the Scripture. But what it means is that there is a future probability. So the future probability of me, me being obedient is hinged upon my conditional loving him. Does that make sense? But that, that opens up a different interpretation, doesn't it? That helps us to understand a little differently that, you know, it's just not about my performance. It's about my relationship. And if I have this love relationship with Jesus Christ... And I walk with Jesus and spend time with him, spending time with the Father. Listen, then comes my obedience. It follows. Clyde um, Cranford said this also about obedience. He said, obedience is in direct proportion of our love. So how are we doing with our obedience? See, obedience isn't the focus. It's the fruit. Obedience isn't the focus it's the fruit. See, the focus of a follower is to spend that time with God. That's the goal, right? The overarching goal, to, to know God and on a daily goal to spend time with him. That's, that's my life. That's my pursuit is to pursue that. But here's the problem. When I sin, I'm not really pursuing the relationship because it's hard to pursue my sin and my relationship at the same time. The end of the old hymn writer had it right. You ever remember the old hymn? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Listen to the refrain. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. 
why is it that we do sin? Can I just be honest with you? Is that we love our sin more than we love God. Now, I'm not saying that we don't love God generally. I'm just saying when I'm choosing to sin, I'm choosing that sin over him. When I'm saying, you know, I'm going to go to the buffet and I'm going to eat all the food that I can suck in in that visit. And I overeat and I become this gluttonous man. Listen, I'm saying I love food more than I love God. Why is that? Because here's the problem. The problem is we've not focused on relationship. And because we're not focused on relationship, we don't really know him. See, the sad reality, can I just be honest with you? The sad reality that I found as a pastor is that for most people, their, their knowledge and their relationship with God and what they know about God begins and ends at John 3, 16. They get saved and that's it. There's no other relationship with God. They, they got their fire insurance. They're thankful that they're gonna go to heaven when they die. But there is no overall goal to know God and there is no daily goal to spend time with God. You know, I wonder how that would work in our marital relationship. You know, I can remember the day I married Marina. What a, oh man, whew, it was an awesome day. We got married at night. But what if I'd have said to Marina, hey, we're gonna get married and I want you to know this is how it's gonna work. <laughs> when we get married, you and I, we're gonna see each other every Sunday morning for about an hour and a half. That's it. Well, actually, you know what? If I feel generous, then I'm going to get a, a group of friends together sometime during the week. We're going to call that a small group, and I'm going to invite you into that small group. So you can come too, you know, so we can see each other there. You know, or, or, or you know, maybe I'll even stretch a little further. Hey, you know, but one thing I want you to understand, Marina, is that when I need you, don't worry, I'll call on you. And that's how we treat God. We come to church. We spend time on Sunday. We go to, maybe if we, we go a little further, we may go to Sunday school, we may go to a small group during the week. You know, when, when we fall into a trap, a trouble, we have a struggle in our life, we, we call upon God because we need that help, but we're not nurturing the relationship. And can I just be honest with you? Every relationship that you are in will always struggle without that time factor without pouring in some time to know that person. If I never got to know Marina, and thank God over the years I know her better, I love her more because I know her better. You know, we're constantly growing with each other. We're constantly learning more. We're constantly serving God together. It's amazing. It's, it's a beautiful thing. But it's because we've nurtured that relationship. But if I don't really nurture my relationship with God, if I don't get to know him, listen, I'm never, I'm never gonna really be the, Jesus follower I'm called to be because it's about the relationship. It's not about the doing. And what we do, we substituted the knowing him for the doing things for him. And why don't we know him? And why don't we spend time with him? Because can I just be honest with you? There's many times we just don't feel the need to do it. You know, we feel that it's a really, really good thing. It's a good option. If we can, you know, get into our schedules and we have time before we go to work, it would be good to just spend a few minutes, you know, and can I just be honest, one of the things we've done is we've sort of dumbed down things. Well, we've actually done two things. One, we put guilt on people, say, well, if you don't spend time with God, and, you know, before you go to work or whatever, you know, you're not a good Christian. And we put it on that performance rather than a relationship. But the other thing we've done is we sort of dumbed it down and said, hey, you can read your Bible in five minutes. Here's the five-minute devotional. 
you know? And so we sort of dumbed it down. So what we do is we run people through a relationship with God. So on one hand, we don't spend time with God because we feel guilty if we do miss a day. On the other hand, we spend just five minutes with God because we're just in a hurry. We got to go. You know, Marina never likes it when I get up in the morning and I just run out the door, right? She wants some time with me. God wants some time with us. It's about building relationship. And the reason why we don't feel the need, can I just be honest? I'm winding down. I'm almost done (laughs) in a preacher sense. It's because of this. Listen, because I think that I can do this on my own. It's called pride. In my pride, I'm like, God, I got today. That's why when I have a bad day, when I have something go wrong, that's why I'm screaming out and crying to him. But David, the rest of the days, I got it. Amen? I got it, God. And you know what the Bible says in, in James 4, 6? That he gives, he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let me illustrate it for you. I, we'll put it, it's, it's not a very good diagram. I'm sorry. You may not be able to see it, but see... We sin. Why do we sin? Because we don't love God. We love our sin more than we love God. And, and why don't we love God? Because we haven't taken the time to get to know God. And, and why don't we do that? Because we don't spend the time with him. Why don't we spend the time with him? Because we don't see the need. And what happens? It's all, it's all pride, right? It all stems from our pride. God, I got it. I got it. But can I just tell you that God's like heir of great necessity. Your relationship with him is crucial. And what I'm praying for you today and what I'm praying for myself is this very thing, that we will experience his grace. That is that that God would do for us, in us and through us, what we cannot do on our own. Amen. Amen? That's what I want. Because listen, the humble person says just the opposite. God, I need you. By the way, that's what Jesus said in John 15, 5. I know it's the third time I've used this verse in this series, but listen to it again. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, excuse me, bears much fruit. For what? Without me, you can do nothing. We think that's big things. We think, well, that means being a pastor. That, That means going and being on the mission field. But can I tell you what Jesus said? You can do nothing. That is, how can I be the father I want to be? How can I be the husband I need to be? How can I be the pastor I need to be? How can I be the person that God wants me to be? I I can only do that through relationship to the vine. Amen? That's the only way I can do it. So it's not just in my big stuff of life. It's in everything of life. So I have to say to God, God, I need you. So what does that look like? Let's look at that second diagram. Just the opposite, right? So we humble ourselves. God, I need you. Then there's that arrow. He infuses his grace, his enablement. He helps me to live for it. Isn't that amazing? That God enables me to be able to live the Christian life. The problem is the pride says I do it myself. Humility says, God, I can't do it myself. I need you. This relationship I have with you, God, I can't do it. I need your grace. And he infuses grace, and we see the need then, right? You get the point. And then it moves from there to there to there. And what's at the top of that? Out of that is my obedience. I hear the alarm going off. It's time to stop. But 
Think about what we're talking about this morning. And let me close with two verses of scripture from the mouth of Jesus. Listen to what he says. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. John 14, 23, Jesus keeping the same theme said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.